The following is an archival presentation of The Sands of Time, hosted by Joyce Johnson. Before her passing in 2014, Joyce spent more than 25 years recording interviews with her fascinating neighbors. WOMR is committed to preserving this archive and sharing it with our listeners. Some of the material has become dated, but it remains as interesting and vital as ever. Welcome to the Sands of Time, a program which explores the history of the Lower Cape through interviews with its unique citizens. Today, once again, Rose Sunny Tasher is our guest to talk more about her life in Provincetown and her interest in nature. Sunny, we were talking about uh, the Pilgrim Lake area. Uh, tell me, how did you really get interested in nature? Have you always loved nature? No, as long as, as far back as I can remember. Uh-huh. I uh, knew where the snakes lived. I knew where the, the green snakes climbed around in the bushes. Mm-hmm. I knew where all the butterflies were and all the worms were. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the when I went to school. Uh, this was where? In, in a little town called Wells Creek, Pennsylvania. <laughs> it's near the um, highway that goes through Somerset. Mm-hmm. But way up on the plateau there, the... Uh, it was great because there were a lot of lumber companies that owned the land and uh, the mining companies owned all the mineral rights. So uh, mm, it was great. I I wouldn't have exchanged my childhood for anybody else's in the it world. It was real wilderness there. In it a sense. Was, yes, mm-hmm. it was. And uh, there were a great many things. I think there were more snakes there than I ever saw anywhere since. Uh-huh. Poison? Any poisonous ones? Yes, we had the, uh, occasionally you w- we would hear of a rattlesnake, we mm-hmm. had the uh, copperheads, mm-hmm. but we were taught how to walk in the woods, and we were always barefooted, because shoes were saved for school, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, besides, <laughs> we hated, I hated shoes anyway, mm-hmm. so if you, if you walked along anywhere, even picking, picking wild strawberries, you looked ahead before you put your foot down. And then, the same as when you're walking in the woods, if you were walking along and you heard a bur- baby cry, you didn't turn around and run. You backtracked slowly. Beca- why, was, why was that? Well, we, as, uh, we were taught that um, uh, an, um, a run would invite a chase. Hmm. And uh, What did the baby cry? That was a... Uh, Panther. We used to, we called them panthers, but oh, they were really? wildcats. Oh. And they sound like a baby. Crying. They sound just like a baby crying. Oh, I didn't know that. So we were we were taught to backtrack yes. and face the sound mm-hmm. until we got uh, far enough away from it, mm-hmm. and then turn around and run run <laughs> for home. <laughs> <laughs> and there were panthers in, up there in the. Oh lands. yes, there were panthers and there were bears. Mm. In the uh, in the winter time, when the uh, we'd see uh, when there was a little snow that fell, well in the fall, and the smokehouses smelled so good that all you wanted to do was sit there. So was, I mean, with your nose in the crack and smell the mm-hmm. delicious smells. Mm-hmm. And they, I guess, the bears liked the smells too because oh. we would see bear prints around the oh. smokestack. I mean, mm-hmm. the smokehouse. They were smoking meat or fish. Oh or yes, meat, yeah. pork. Uh huh. It was usually usually pork because. Every fall, there was a big pork killing, mm-hmm. and uh, the men of one house would go help the men in the other in the next 
building to kill their pigs, mm-hmm. and everybody helped everybody else mm-hmm. because when you kill a 300-pound pig. <laughs> Takes a little. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A little muscle there. And uh, also, uh, we used to always get the tails, and we'd take them to school. Pigtails? Pigtails. <laughs> and we'd, we'd then, when we got in with the pigtails, We'd managed to steal a safety pin from our mother somehow, and we'd try to hook the pigtail on somebody else's britches in the back. And then the teacher, of course, would uh, have a pigtail game. It was a game uh, like blind man bluff. Mm -hmm. You didn't have to catch somebody, but you had to tag them with a pigtail. And they were it. (laughs) But I had some wonderful teachers because uh, we lived about a mile away from the school, and... uh, I wasn't an early riser, so I was always out late, and uh, and I'd always take a lot of shortcuts to school. I mean, I'd get there somewhere around recess, <laughs> the first recess, or mm-hmm. maybe a little later, mm-hmm. and um, if I were nice and dry and warm, then I'd sit down in my seat, but if I weren't warm and dry, the teacher would put me behind the big furnace to dry out. <laughs> and then they, I had three of them when they found out, you know, what I was doing. Uh, I was never chided. I would, after I got back to my seat, the teacher would say, well, wonder if Rosie would tell us what she saw out in the woods. Great. I, th- I thought it was great because, because it was great encouragement. Mm-hmm. And I saw so many things. And But in the third grade, I was lying on the porch at home, and I saw a spider take its web down and eat it. And I tried to tell my teacher that, figuring she was the most knowledgeable t- person I knew. And she looked at me a little bit funny, and she said, Rosie, are you sure you weren't dreaming? <laughs> so I saw anything real odd. I, I'd shut up. <laughs> Until years later, I got a hold of Faber, the spider, uh, Faber's spider book. Mm-hmm. And he said the same thing. That they do that. Yeah. And then they rebuild the web with that... Uh, uh, the silk that they have reconstituted. No kidding. But the the, the woods in in Pennsylvania were just great. Mm-hmm. Well, did you? It's a very different environment than here. Did you miss it when you came here, or just? Um, yes, but here I had the the dunes, the woods, and the water. And the ocean. Mm. Yeah, I had to, not just the woods and the trees. I also had the dunes. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with the dunes because I had lived in the woods so long that the dunes were special. Mm, I'm sure. They were special. And uh, if you walked along and with your ears and eyes open, there were a lot of things you could see. Mm-hmm. The uh, puff adder, you'd find the puff adder's uh, crooked trail, and uh, you knew it was a puff adder. That thing goes like, yeah. Yeah, like that? Yep. looks as though it's swinging back and yep. forth. Uh-huh. It is. Uh-huh. And it's it resembles the sign what the the snake the uh, rattlesnake in Arizona they call the sidewinder. Mm-hmm. It makes the same path only much bigger. Mm-hmm. And I saw once when I was down there I saw one across the road, and my friend said run it over and I said no I want to watch it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, well, but the dunes were really. I would take off, I would fill two half-pint bottles with water and put them in my back pockets and take some cheese and crackers, and I would hitchhike up to uh, 
the uh, Coast Guard station way up the race run. Mm-hmm. And I would walk from there down. Mm-hmm. Or I'd w- walk from the race run all the way out to um, Provincetown Inn. Mm-hmm. Either way. Either and then way, right. But uh, when, if I walked uh, east uh, from uh, the dunes, I would zigzag across the dunes until I had high head. And I'd walk back out to the uh, <coughs> to the highway and hitch another ride home. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's so many things that I saw and found out there that Herman, who was also spent a lot of time out on the dunes, he hadn't seen. Mm-hmm. Takes a keen eye. Well, you have to, and uh, and also at night I would go out and sit in the woods. Uh, uh, our little woods out here and the used to be at, and the pond that used to be at the end of where Holland Street is now mm-hmm. uh, I'd go down there and or walk either way I'd, if I walked in the woods I would walk with my mouth open so I, and tread softly like mm-hmm. an Indian mm-hmm. so that I would hear wouldn't miss a sound mm-hmm. Did you get in, uh, interested in the birds on the uh, on the outside beach? On the, on the outside the turns beach. and the. Uh, I used to watch them. I, I'd lie on the sand, and to get close to them, I would crawl on my belly. You don't have to. If you stick your hands out, they they see this long thing and they get up and fly. They get afraid. Yeah. But if you hump along, I discovered later that the mm-hmm. um, army was using the same tactics, you you just mm-hmm. move with your body. Mm-hmm. You inch your chest ahead and then pull your knees up and inch, keep inching ahead. Mm-hmm. And they don't seem to mind the slow movement. Hmm. Probably think it's a turtle or something. <laughs> Probably. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got very interested in the turns because the first batch of turns I saw were down at... Um, um, Pymouth Harbor. Uh-huh. And um, I was very interested in them, and they were great, oh, thousands of them down there. But then when I hit the back beach, well, there weren't so many. And uh, Paul and Carl, first Carl and I used to ride around. We'd take a, cut a whole bunch of sticks, uh, you know, about th- two, three feet long, and we'd go down there and we'd try to mark off the uh, turn areas. To protect it. Yeah. And um, the, uh, there was one in front of the uh, shack that uh, we protected, but there was an uh, ORV there with a Connecticut license. Mm-hmm. And Paul had two dead baby birds in his hands, and he was crying over them because mm-hmm. he was soft-hearted. They'd been run over. They'd been run over. Mm-hmm. So he went to this uh, jeep, and he said, Look what you've done to the baby birds. What have they done to you? Mm-hmm. And the guy in the Jeep said, get out of my way or I'll do the same to you. Oh, terrific. <laughs> so we we protected our little beach out there, mm-hmm. our little turn um, nesting mm-hmm. area. Was that in front of Harry Kemp's shack? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they nested out there for mm-hmm. years. We came back in. We went to the dump. And we gathered up all the wood we can find, boards, pieces of wood, that had a lot of nails in them. <laughs> <laughs> and we took them out and buried them around the, <laughs> mm-hmm. around the nest area. And we had to bury them because if they, you know, just bury the, the wood part. Mm-hmm. Oh, we were sneaky about that, but 
nobody drove through them anymore. Sure. Now, thank goodness, you know, one of the benefits of the park is that they do uh, protect those areas. At least some control over that. Yeah, you wonder why people, uh, we used to stick sticks in, but that didn't matter. Yeah. But boy, those nails did a job on them. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty hard to get someone to fix your tire out there on the, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think well, if, if, you're if, walking, if you were walking, you'd, you'd, you'd see the yeah. nails sticking up. Yeah. Because we would just bury the, the board part, and right. but the nails were all sticking up. Uh-huh. And uh, Paul and I laugh about that once <laughs> in a while. That sure was a sure cure for... <laughs> <laughs> Did your children, have they learned and continued to love the uh, that area? Oh, they do. They love they the, whole, like the whole cape. Yeah. Because uh, from the beginning, I would take them out even when they're tiny. Mm-hmm. If they could walk, we we went walking out in the woods mm-hmm. and across the dunes, mm-hmm. and I uh, taught them what what they could eat in an emergency because mm-hmm. there's a lot of food out there you can eat, mm-hmm. and um, roots and things and the blossoms and what? Yep. Bear- yeah. Besides the berries, the uh, the blue any blueberry blossom mm-hmm. is delicious mm-hmm. and uh, very nourishing. Very nutritious. Mm-hmm. They were the easiest to get, so that's what we ate mm-hmm. um, until the berries ripened. Then we ate the berries. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the other thing that I used to take them out at night too, purposely, to find their way home. Oh, really? Well, if I don't know if you know, but if you're out in the woods somewhere, there, somewhere, and you get lost, and you don't know where the path is that you went out on, take your shoes off. Yeah. And go on your bare feet, and your bare feet will tell you where that path is smooth. Uh-huh. The minute you hit the roots of the on both sides uh-huh. of that path, your feet tell you. This is when it's so dark, you mean you can't see. Right. You can't see the the Big Dipper, which they always had to keep at their backs. Mm-hmm. The Big Dipper was on, had to always keep at their backs to mm-hmm. get home in the dark. Mm-hmm. So Unless it's cloudy, then what happens? Well, then you have to depend on your feet. Right. I remember being out there once in in the in the fog, oh, and yeah. I was amazed at how fast you can get lost <laughs> and turned it, around. Yeah, <gasps> yeah. Lord, you lose you just lose sort of your equilibrium. You just lose your totally your sense of direction out there. Well, I I was uh, walking out to, even after I had a, a jeep. I used to love to walk out, and uh, it was a very fine snow falling, and it hadn't been falling. The, it was about two inches on the ground. And I found myself falling into little pits and, and uh, hollows because mm-hmm. it was um, was a, a snow blindness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think so they call it snow blindness. <laughs> and uh, so I got there and I got back. But the next time I went out, I took the dog along and told her to go up ahead. Uh-huh. And where I'd see them, um, then I could see the silhouette of the sand dunes uh-huh. with the snow oh, on it. Oh, I see. But uh, going out all the way out there and and, uh, and being the only one on the beach mm-hmm. is something to remember. I know. It's like being in uh, on another planet for a it while. It is, yeah. Strange sensation yeah. also, even though you're really low there because you're almost at sea level, a yeah. feeling that you're up high above everything. It is. It is. And Looking uh, down on the world. And... While, while I'd be spending nights out there, I used to dream up little songs about things. 
which I've forgotten. But when you're there, these things just, you start humming and they come naturally. I know. There's like no uh, atmospheric interference. (laughs) Right, right. It's, It's strange how the clarity of your thinking and everything that's superfluous seems to float away and you see right at the core of things. You do. I've been out there many times, gone out there when I just, you know, I was in either overtired or in a muddle about something, and mm. everything just comes clear. Well, I think the uh, the dunes and the shack out there saved my, maybe my life, but certainly my sanity, because mm. when Harry died, mm-hmm. and I tried to keep my word to him, and the um, people in town wanted to bury him, mm-hmm. and I had promised to burn him up. Mm-hmm. Um, I was having talk about Harry Campbell, the poet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I was having a hard time because I had, I think, I think I mentioned this before. I had the pe- the three people I worked with at Siren Cells, and uh, Walter Chrysler, and and uh, Hudson Walker. Mm-hmm. The only friends I had. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, they're good friends. Yeah, and and also when when I started weakening because the um, people who wanted to bury Harry Kemp were going to sue the pants off of me, and Ozzie Ball came over and said to Herman, he said, you better tell your wife to give Harry up because she's going to lose all everything she owns up there. Yeah. So I thought about it, so Herman told me when I got home at night, so I went up in the house, and I told the... Carl and Carla then were, uh, they were 14, 16, somewhere around there. And uh, I told them, I said, I'll have to give Harry up. And uh, Carla looked at me and she said, if Harry were alive and were here to fight you about keeping your word. So I looked at Paul, Carl, and he said, well, Ma, if you break your word to a dead man, how can we trust you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) I said, well, we're going to lose our house. All right, we'll find another one. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. But we didn't. <laughs> and Harry got cremated mm-hmm. because uh, I sent him off to be cremated, and the um, the people who wanted to bury him had the state police bring him back. Oh, really? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Warrant for the rest of his body, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> well, oh it, it, it made... I was very angry, almost savagely angry at those people because every one of those people had a lot more than I had, mm-hmm. and yet not one of them would take him in and mm-hmm. give him a home when he, when Celia Francis kicked him out. Mm-hmm. Not one of them mm-hmm. had anything to do with that drunken, no-good SOB. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he was dead, oh, they wanted the fame of having mm-hmm. Harry Kemp in their graveyard. Mm-hmm. Well... I had two words for them. Mm-hmm. But my kids stood by me. If they hadn't stood by me, I, I don't think I, I think I would have faltered. Mm-hmm. Because losing your home, losing your, your, where do you go with four kids? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, you had fourth. Who was the fourth one then? Paul, Carla, Carl. Paula. And Paul, oh, that's Paula. Paula. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah, we, we started out wanting Paul. <laughs> uh, Paul and Carla and Carla and... No, Carla oh. and Carl. Uh-huh. The girls came first. Uh-huh. And then Paula and Paul. Uh-huh. We finally got a Paul out of it. <laughs> Great. 
Are they all here in this area now? Yes. They don't want to leave. Uh, They had left. Carol lived down in Bryn Athen, outside of Philadelphia. Really a beautiful place. And the the Orthodox Jews there were backing him and pushing him in the uh, sculpture business. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, I know that they used to, every Friday night, they had uh, a person named Bowie. He had a lot to do with the Leo... Lowy's theaters. Oh, yes. I think his wife owned them. Hmm. And they would bring their, she would bring her maid over and uh, so that Carl and his wife could go to their Friday night uh, country club. <laughs> and Boo used to boast that uh, the only one of my boys that's not circumcised. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but, and Paul, Carla lived out in Aspen. That didn't last. Mm -hmm. Paula lived out in South Dakota. That didn't last. Mm -hmm. They're all back here. Homing pigeons. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they they learned and knew enough about all the little things that the Cape had to offer. Mm. In a very small area, you have, you know, wilderness and sophistication to a degree, which uh, it's very hard to find. I think that combination. The combination is fantastic. The beach out front here. Well, 20, 40 years ago, 20 years ago even, it was still still great mm-hmm. because we used to go down and, and dig all kinds of crazy little things. And one day we <laughs> we dug up a tapeworm. It was about three inches across. Mm-hmm. And we wondered what it was, so we kept on digging, and it was about 20 feet long. Oh, my goodness. And in the sand? C- in the sand, oh. in front of the Eastern Coast Storage. Mm-hmm. Well, mm, we couldn't believe that we saw something real. We we figured it was something that we imagined or something. So uh-huh. we got home and we have a lot of great many books. And we had two there that uh, were on uh, the the sea and the seashore. And there is such a thing. <laughs> In fact, they grow longer than twenty feet. My goodness, they white ish. They're almost grayish white. Grayish white. Mm-hmm. Can, are they good for anything? No, they just uh, bait or no. They edible they or? Um, crawl through the sa- sand at a low space, and they eat whatever they find in the sand that they can uh, absorb. Mm-hmm. They the uh, the mouth is um, I didn't see, we didn't see the mouth because we got scared and didn't dig any further. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> in the book, the mouth has the same as a um, you know those blood suckers they dig up to go fishing with. Mm-hmm. Around with rasping teeth mm-hmm. in the uh, in the opening, and incidentally, the um, uh, bark beetle has the same type of larvae, mm-hmm. I- except that it's about an inch or an inch and a half long. <laughs> and you can hear if you live in a um, building that's made of uh, wood with some bark on it, you can hear the crunch, 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 crunch. <laughs> <laughs> Having supper. Uh, so we the the kids uh, knew pretty much what I knew. What do you think has been the most important thing to you about life down here in, on the Cape? Is there anything, one thing that's mm, strikes you has been made, you, made your life the richest here? I think people. I think people because there's, there's so many people. You see, when, they, when we moved in that house up on the hill, um, the kids started bringing other kids, school kids, home. Mm-hmm. And 
it continued for about 20 years. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of, uh, and Herman, Herman would bring people home. I would bring people home. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'd wake up in the morning and I'd go scouting noses, and some of them I didn't know. <laughs> but uh, people. And uh, um, besides the, the young people of the town, now, I uh, sat for Herman in his uh, studio when he was up the West End two summers ago, and I parked my car in, across the street in um, the, um, there's a parking lot that belongs to the hardware store. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to pay the boy. He looked at me and he said, Sonny, you can't pay me. And I said, why not? You're running a business here. He said, yeah, but you were running a house when I sat at your table and ate many, many meals. Oh, great. Didn't forget. He didn't forget. And then just recently I talked to another kid, and uh, he said the same thing. Uh-huh. He changed the tire for me. Uh-huh. And uh, he said, you can't. He said, maybe you don't remember, but I do. <laughs> I'm sure they do. And uh, Matt Jason. Do you remember Matt Jason no. who died recently? He was the bad boy of the town until he switched and then died. Oh. He became a Jesus freak oh. and uh, just turned tables completely and, and was a goody, 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 goody and died. Oh. But uh, his first, the first birthday party he ever had was at the house. Oh. And uh, I know uh, Carla would tell me, Ma, we need, we're going to have a birthday party tonight. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. We used to hold uh, funerals for any bird or <laughs> anything, snake or anything that died, we'd hold funerals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with flowers and parades and everything. But birthday parties were an everyday event, bec- almost, because there were a lot of kids in this town who uh, couldn't take other kids home, mm-hmm. had no birthday parties. So Carla would say, or Carl would say, hey, birthday party tonight. So I'd bake as big a cake as I could, or two or three of them. In those days, I had a lot of energy, so making a cake from scratch was nothing. And I'd fix up a big bowl of punch and throw a couple of oranges in it, ginger ale. So she brought this uh, young man over to me, and she said, Ma, I want you to meet Matt. And he was kind of hiding, trying to hide behind her. So I looked at Carl, and I said, what's the matter with him? Oh, he just got home from reform school today. Oh, dear. (laughs) And he's afraid you're going to throw him out. So I've already learned that anyone that ends up in reform school or doing something they shouldn't have too much on the ball for these school teachers, the school here to handle. Mm Mm-hmm. And so they just ship them off, you mean? They ship them off to reform school. Which gives them three strikes against them instead of one or two, right? Well, not only that, but they learn an awful lot in the reform school from the other kids. That they should learn. They knew three times as much when they were let out. On the wrong side. Yeah. One of the kids down the East End, he came home from reform school, and uh, he did everything he could to get back. Because in the reform school, he was running the printing press. No. And here he had nothing to do. Ah, so they, had, they learned good things, too. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he was running the printing press. Mm-hmm. And he had nothing nothing to do. I took his kid brother out west with me one time on a trip. And I had to ask the, um, I think it was Mr. Stryker at that time. He was in charge of state kids, mm-hmm. the state children. And, uh, well, I worked through the school teacher in Truro. 
And uh, when I asked her if Mr. Stryker would allow me to take this 14-year-old boy, and she said, you bet he would. <laughs> he said that uh, the boy would learn more in one month bumbling across the country with you than he would in two years in school. <laughs> I believe it. He did. I believe you. Wonderful. Sonny, um, thanks once again for being with us. It's been great. Our guest today on The Sands of Time has been Rose Sonny Tasher of Provincetown. And we enjoyed having her for the month of June here with us. She'll also be heard sometime next Ju- uh, in July, next month, when we replay a program uh, when she talked about her friend Harry Kemp, the poet. So check your airwaves for that. Thank you for being with us. Our engineer has been Tom Conklin, your host, Joyce Johnson. You've been listening to The Sands of Time. you enjoyed this episode from the archives of Joyce Johnson. Although some of the material may have been dated, we here at WOMR think it's important to continue to share it with our listeners.